Good morning and welcome to our Sunday morning live stream here at Lake Placid Baptist Church. Um, it is an absolute privilege to be in your kitchen or bedroom or living room or um, maybe even propped up on your bed today. Um, we're just so glad that you're here and that we can have this opportunity uh, to do worship together. I tell you what, I want you to do something unusual this morning. We haven't done this before, but if you would all just give a short comment saying who you are, um, later on in the service, Nancy can kind of let me know who you are, because I'd love to know who's kind of checked in and, and who's sharing it with us today. Um, we're just so glad that you're here and that we have this opportunity to... Um, to to be together. I think Nancy, you might have to run slides um, because uh, I moved the keyboard and uh, it seems to not be working. Uh, so um, sorry about that. Well, anyway, um, we're just glad that you're here and that uh, we have this opportunity. I'll go put that back up where it was before. Maybe that will help. Um, we have this opportunity to 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 get together and uh, and to be in this. No, it's not working today. Well, anyway, so much for um, how things usually go. Um, let's start with a word of prayer, and uh, then uh, we'll see what God has for us this morning. Dear God, I thank you for this opportunity to be in your house and uh, this opportunity to grow together. And God, I pray that you would bless the families that are watching, uh, the people that have tuned in, and even the people that will watch later. And I pray that your word this morning would be an absolute encouragement to everybody in the room. Thank you so much for this opportunity and time that we share together. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Well, um, today... Uh, I wanted to talk about what uh, is probably uh, the world's smallest uh, parade. Um, when I was a, a youth pastor in Florida, not only did we have the church, but we also had the Christian school. And uh, there were about 700 kids involved in the school, a little less than 100 involved in the, in the, uh, the high school. And every year for homecoming, they would do this wide variety of activities, just like every other church. But the thing that they do the most often, that was probably the most interesting, is every year they made floats. And I got really involved in that because Grace's class wanted help. And, you know, I have some skills. And so we built all different kinds of things. And they would reach out to the community and they would have police cars and they'd have motorcycle police and they'd have an ambulance and a fire truck but the most interesting thing about that parade is that parade took uh, took place on a single city block well actually it took place in a parking lot and they made the decision that everybody would go around twice and all the little kids basically would watch as this little parade went around our school. Today, we want to talk about a parade. 
Uh, it's Palm Sunday today, but the parade that we want to talk about today is actually found in the story of Jesus. And that story is found in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 17. So if you want to turn there in your Bible, or you can watch it up here on the screen, we're going to take a look at this beginning activity to the last week of Jesus Christ's life. In Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 17, we have the story of Palm Sunday, or the story of what would be called the triumphal entry. And it all starts with a transportation miracle. Now, when they drew near, starting in Matthew chapter 21, verse 1, when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt tied to her, untie them and bring them to me. Now, I want you to understand where they were. They've come down from Galilee. They would have come up into the city. They're not quite there. They're in the suburbs. They're in Raybrook right now. Um, and they can see the temple from where they're at, and they're on the Mount of Olives. And when they're there in this little village that's there, Jesus tells them to go rent a car. Well, more specifically, he tells them that he's going to ride on a donkey. Now, this is interesting because this is the only recorded time that we ever have Jesus riding on an animal. And this animal would have been um, an untrained animal. And not only that, they had made no arrangements to get this animal. Jesus basically told his disciples, you need to go into this village and they're going to see a donkey and a colt and I want you to untie them and bring them to me. He gave them just a little more instruction. He says, if anybody says anything to you, say the Lord needs them and he will send them and he will send them at once. Now, this is interesting. Because the first person, really, that is a part of this story after the disciples and Jesus is a person we never really meet. It's the donkey owner. And this donkey owner was willing, because of something that's already taken place in his life, to donate his animals to Jesus' parade, to Jesus' triumphal entry. So... There's a prophetic footnote here, and if you read through Matthew, you will see the word fulfilled many times in Matthew. I think it's 15 times. And in verse 4, it says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the full of the beast of burden. Now, this was a prophecy made all the way back in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. And because they had been students of the word, the disciples would have known what this meant. You see, there were two ways that the king would enter into the triumphal gate. If it was in the time of war or in a time of triumph of war, he would come in on a horse. 
But if it was in a time of peace, he would ride on a donkey. So you see this footnote that explains why this is taking place. I can't imagine how the disciples feel at this time to see all of a sudden some of the things that they had hoped for the Messiah to be taking place. As we read on, it says, the, the disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them, and then they arranged what took place. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they put on him their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Now, before we move on beyond verse 8, I want to explain to you what's just taken place. They are basically setting out the red carpet for Jesus to enter into Jerusalem. Now, Jude, he will be coming in through the East Gate. And if you got my email, you realize that the East Gate was an important gate. It was a prophetic gate. And that was the one that, that they said that Jesus would come through. In fact, in the 15th century, when there was a man who wasn't um, uh, a Jewish man, and he wanted to make sure there, and he put his cemetery in the Valley of Kidron, which would have been the direction, the mile and a half they would have went down to go up into the temple. So all of a sudden, not only Jesus's disciples, but the crowds. Now, let me explain who the crowds are. The crowds at this time would have been pilgrims, but they would have been a specific kind of pilgrim coming for the Passover. They were traveling the same road that Jesus did. In the same way that Jesus came from Galilee, they all came from Galilee. Think about where Jesus Christ did the majority of his ministry. Jesus Christ did the majority of his ministry in Galilee. If anybody believed in Jesus, it was the Galileans. And when they saw this took place, they entered into the celebration. Verse 9 talks about how they, they celebrated. And the crowds that went before him and they followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the King of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now, when I did some background on this, the word Hosanna actually means to deliver. But it was a word that was used often in their worship. And honestly, even though we understand that it has this meaning, what it ended up becoming meaning to them would be another example of hallelujah. So they're saying hallelujah to the king or the son of David, which basically speaks of this idea that Jesus Christ was a king. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Now, if you were to turn in your Bible to Psalms of chapter 118, verses 25 through 26, you would find these words similarly. And these words were a part of, of, of what they would use for worship at the temple. And I, I don't know how else to explain it, but... The blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord would be what one group would sing. It'd be like the old song, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And then the other group would sing, praise ye the Lord. And, and there would be this antiphonal back and forth going. And that's what was happening. 
They were excited. They were exclaiming. So let's just talk about what these words mean. Hosanna means to save us. When they speak of being the son of David, they're speaking of the reality that the, the messianic king was going to come from the line of David. And they were exclaiming that Jesus Christ was the messianic king. And when they entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred saying, who is this? Now you have to understand, we've got two crowds coming together. You've got the Galilean pilgrims coming together and they're shouting and they're, they're waving their palm branches and they're putting down their coats and they're creating this red carpet. But as they enter into the city of Jerusalem, not everybody knew who Jesus was. Not everybody had seen his miracles or been to uh, the feeding of the 5,000 or, or, or heard about the events of, of things that he had done, such as healing. Or specifically, they didn't know about the fact that he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And so their question is a fair question. Their question is, who is this? And it says that the crowd told him, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. They, they were speaking of the fact that they were giving Jesus not only the title rabbi, but the title, this is a prophet. And Jesus entered the temple. Now he's gone through the gate and now he's going to enter the temple and he drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. You see, what was taking place is that the commerce of making worship happen was being elevated over the opportunity to worship and contemplate and be in the presence of God. You think of how hard it is sometimes, depending upon where you're at, to be in the presence of God. You know, alone here in one of the high peaks, it would be easy to be in the presence of God. Some of you um, moms and dads are used to getting up and sending those kids off to school. And, and then you sit in your living room and you open the word and you spend some time and you have that quiet moment with God. And now all of a sudden, a lot of things are crowding into that moment. That's what happened. They let a whole bunch of things crowd into the place where people were supposed to meet with God. In fact, the quote is interesting because in Mark, it adds a little bit of a phrase to this quote. It says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for what? All nations. You have made it into a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Now, I've seen this, this, this verse 2, 4, 21, 14, many times, but I didn't think about the reality of what was really taking place here. You see, the blind and the lame were not allowed in the temple. Because of their disabilities, they were considered unclean. 
And so what was taking place here was a beautiful thing. God got rid of all the junk that was in the way in the temple, all the things that were the distractions in the temple. And all of a sudden, the temple became a place of healing. But there was also a tension going on at that time. And the tension can be found when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. You know, it's really easy to be indignant right now. Some of you have taken this social distancing and this staying home thing very, very seriously. And it's really hard not to be just a little indignant with people that don't take it so seriously. In this moment, it's easy for us to be like these indignant church leaders who instead of seeing the wonderful things that God was doing, they were annoyed that it was taking place in their temple, in their territory. They went on and said this to Jesus. They said to him, do you hear what they are saying? In other passages, it actually they actually told Jesus to tell people to be quiet. Just as was his response as Matthew recorded it. And he said to them, yes, have you never read? Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise. Uh, you know, in the other passages, it says that Jesus responded to them and said, if we don't let these people celebrate the very rocks themselves will need to cry out. And leaving, he went out of the city to Bethany and he lodged there. Now, this is an incredible story and, and we've already talked about some of the things, but I, I wanna take a look at the story by asking this question. Where are you, if you're honest today, as a person in this story? Which person do you think reflects kind of your relationship to God and your celebration of that relationship today? Uh, let's take a look at the list of the people. We have the donkey owner and the disciples, the crowd and the city. We had children, disabled, and religious leaders. Let's start. Uh, are you uh, uh, are you the 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 owner of the vehicle today? Are you the donkey owner? Something miraculously had taken place in that life. Are you already leading a surrendered life to Jesus Christ? So when Jesus Christ kind of comes in and he taps on your shoulder and he says, "Hey, um, this is what I need you to do," or "This is how I want you to act," you just immediately do what he says. You're living a life of of truly trusting him more every day and you're living this life of surrender. And, and you can say that I think that right now where I'm at, I'm living a yes, Lord relationship with the Lord. Are you a disciple? Uh, are you, um, are you working with him with Jesus? Are, are you helping make things happen? Are you one of his collaborators? Are you saying, God, how, how can you use me? What, what do you need me to do? You need me to go get the donkey. Okay. I'll go get the donkey. Do you, do you need me to do this or that? I will do those things. Are you in the crowd? 
can you honestly say today, I, I'm not sure I have a relationship with Jesus or I'm not sure I'm taking that relationship serious, but I really admire Jesus. And I, I'm kind of hoping that he's who I, I desire for him to be. You know, I, I'm hopeful today because, because of all the things that I've seen him do, I'm hopeful that he will be the, the savior of this moment. Uh, I, I, I'm hopeful today. Or, or are you the crowd in the city? And are you really asking the question, if you're really honest, you know, I, I don't know a lot about Jesus and I don't really understand this whole thing that you guys are coming into. This season that you are are, are getting ready to, to celebrate, I, I don't understand it completely. I, I, uh, I'm just in the crowd that's kind of going through life and I have no idea who this man Jesus is. Maybe you're a child. You see, what were the children doing? The children were kind of a megaphone or a reflector or a mirror of what was going on around them. And, and maybe uh, that's who you are as a person. You are a person who has mirrored what's gone on around you. Maybe you grew up in a Christian home, so you, you know all the songs and you can, you can do all those things and you enter into all the celebrations. Maybe that's who you are, but you're still not quite there because although you look like you're doing everything, you're just a, a mimicker or a, an imitator or a, a reflector. Maybe today you're like the disabled. What a moment for the disabled. Maybe you've decided there's some way that you're not, you can't be included. Maybe you look at Christian people and, and this whole situation and you kind of go, well, I, I don't see how I fit in. I'm glad that works for you. Or uh, the one thing that I've heard over and over again in life that hurts me more than anything is this thing. I don't think I'm good enough that Jesus would want to save me. I'm not good enough to be in the temple with him. I want to tell you today that that's a lie. The word of God says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and son. It isn't a one and only son. It doesn't say he loves some people in the world. It doesn't say that he only loved a certain color or type of person. It says he loved the whole world. He goes on to say that whoever would believe in him would have the right to become a child of God. I'm looking at you today because I want you to know that there's no way that you're excluded when Christ died on the cross, which is what this week's celebration is all about, he died for everybody's sins. That includes you. And you can have a relationship with him. In fact, you can begin that relationship right now. It's as simple as just saying, dear God, please forgive me for all the wrong things I've done. I ask your son to be my savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. If you pray that simple prayer, right now even, you have begun a relationship with Jesus Christ.
And if during this time, that's something that is a decision you make, please let us know. Email me. Just look on the church website. You can see how to email me. Uh, give me a call. Write me a letter. Let me know that you've made that decision. But there's one other group of people that you have to ask yourself if you're a part of. Are you just a religious person? Spend a lot of time walking around and judging a lot of other people. You are indignant and you can't believe how some people are doing what they're doing. Somehow you've created your own look to Christianity and you want people to look like you instead of look like Jesus. Uh, this is a very serious thing. And, and you need to ask God to soften your heart because you're missing all the wonders of what he did. You see, here's the reality. The reality is that we understand what Hosanna means. Hosanna means save us. And I believe that we as Christians need to be standing in the gap for all of the people right now. Every one of us needs God to save something in our lives. For some of you, like we just talked about, you've never begun a relationship with Christ, and you're asking God to save you for the very first time. For others of you, you realize, you know what? My relationship with God doesn't involve enough surrender. And so I need him to save me from my selfishness and my willingness to freelance. Some of you need to ask God to save you so you don't just have the faith that is mimicking somebody else's faith but you have a faith of your own. But the word Hosanna is a very appropriate word today, isn't it? We shout Hosanna. We shout it for our country. We shout it for our world. We shout it for New York, for those of us who are in it, and for even the communities and families that we have. God, will you protect and save and deliver? Let's pray together today. Dear God, I, I thank you that you are the God that breaks through all of the barriers so that we can meet you. God, the word describes the temple of today is not a place geographically, but it's a place inside each individual. It's the place inside our soul where you desire to dwell. And so, God, I pray that you would help each one of us. For those who are just curious or, or don't even know very much about Jesus Christ, I, I pray that, that, that this time, this pause that we're in, would be a time when they would, would really, truly investigate who you are, especially during this week where we celebrate how you are our redemption. For those of us who know you, God, I, I pray that you can continue to push us toward completely surrendered lives to you, that we can live with open hands, just like the donkey owner who is willing 
to give his prizes possession for the Lord to use. God, may we be like your disciples who are asking what you're doing and how we can join you in that very thing. And God, for the indignant and judgmental parts of us, turn the parts of us that judge and are critical of people into what you've given us, which is hearts full of mercy and grace for everyone on their journey. And God, we pray that you would take good care of us today. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Just a reminder, if you made a decision that you wanted to ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior, please let me know so that uh, we can help you on that journey. Uh, I want to show you uh, a picture of something that we did here. Um, uh, we can thank Nancy and Iron Man for that because that's the backside of an Iron Man uh, banner. But we place that up on our church. And if you're on Facebook, it's also the banners. And I encourage you to, to copy those banners onto your own Facebook page possibly. But then I, I feel like we have to take this whole idea of praying for people very seriously. So next week, we are launching a whole new area of the website that will be a password protected area that will have prayer lists that you are going to help me compile so that we can be taking seriously this idea of praying for people. In fact, I encourage you in your conversations with people to offer to pray with them and even offer to say, can I put you on a prayer list at my church so we are praying for you during the coronavirus. I think we have a very unique opportunity here, but I don't want them to be empty words. Have you ever said to somebody, I'm praying for you, and you should have right then, because later on you see them again and say, man, I haven't been praying for that person. And so I really encourage you to be a part of this effort. Um, as a couple of prayer requests today, I wanna to tell you that Angela Levitt has started her chemo. Here's how it works. Um, she has chemotherapy every Monday, but every single day of the week, she has radiation treatment. So we need to be really praying for, for Angela and for Fred and for Noel and for Reagan. Um, uh, I, I've heard back and most of our snowbirds have uh, come back and are in the process of, of self-quarantining themselves. Um, and so we can be praying for that. Um, please let me know other things that we can be praying for as, as we um, really launch this very more intense prayer area to the church. Uh, and um, just as a couple other reminders, um, uh, we uh, received uh, many of your tithes and offerings and are absolutely blown away by that. Thank you so much for your willingness to support this church. Um, there's a special business meeting today. If you are a member at noon on Zoom, and I encourage you to attend just to kind of hear our strategies of what we're doing. And we have some decisions that we need to make together as a body. Um, there is a link to that Zoom meeting in an email to you. And I just encourage you, I, I've tried to call and I've gotten around to calling a lot of you. 
But as people are on your mind, pray for them. But more importantly, give them a call. Have a conversation. Last Sunday, I'll tell you one that just warmed my heart. Last Sunday after this service, we got home and I got a call from Illinois from a friend named John Cody, who was my very first prayer partner as a youth pastor um, when I was 22 years old. And there was such a beautiful emotional hug of knowing that God had somebody prompted. And he says, hey, we're praying for all our pastors today and you're on that list. So how can we pray for you today, Jim? Wow. Do that for somebody. Bless somebody. Be a blessing to people, even in this time of social distancing. That's what we're trying to do. And I hope that you will join us in this. God bless you. Have a great day.